Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. Welcome to Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. I'm your host, Wayne Yurcha. Our digital world brings us many benefits, but it also exposes our children to an addictive and toxic mix of tech, media, and consumerism that harms their healthy development and undermines their happiness. To better navigate the ever-increasing pressures and challenges of this accelerating digital world, today's children and families need to develop a power we call choicefulness. Choicefulness is a power built on a new and different set of skills, skills specifically designed to protect and prepare our children for a fulfilling future in the age of noise. So if you're a parent looking for new ways to engage with your children, motivate your children, and prepare them for a positive future, we have created this podcast to help you. Thank you for joining us. This is episode number two, and I'm here with my podcast partner, developmental and educational psychologist and kids media expert, Dr. Rob Breyer. In podcast number one, we went over what choicefulness is. So let's just take a minute and go over that definition again. Choicefulness is the awareness, ability, and control necessary to make wise, thoughtful, and self-directed choices. Choices that enhance our well-being and move us toward real happiness, fulfillment, and success. Now today, we are going to focus on the awareness category of that definition. And the first thing that we need to be aware of is why noise is such a threat to our children's future. So what do we mean by that? To understand that, we need to understand what noise is. We think of noise as this non-stop barrage of distraction, distortion, disruption, and overload that comes at our children every hour of every day. Noise first distracts our children's attention and steals their time, making it more difficult for them to find the time to do the sort of enriching things that will really fulfill them and help them reach their potential. Second, noise gives them distorted information. We see that all the time. Information designed to shape their perceptions and control their behaviors, usually for some monetary reason. Third, noise disrupts their relationships and their thinking skills, their focus, their creativity, their even their critical thinking. And fourth, noise overloads their ability to deal with things, causing stress, pressure, anxiety, etc. And we see that in increasing levels of anxiety, increasing levels of depression, and unfortunately, even suicide. So, Rob, your thoughts on some of these things. First, first, the area of distraction, distracting our kids' attention, stealing their time. What do you think yeah, about well, that? Well, before, before we do distraction, distortion, disruption, and overload, which were the four qualities that you mentioned, you said something very important in that last overload idea, which is that it overloads your ability which is basically your capacities. And I think the, the key thing for a parent is to understand you, you don't have unlimited capacities as a human being. Your brain is set up in such a way where there are limitations in your capacities. So when we get into this idea of if this information is increasing at a huge, enormous, overwhelming rates coming at you, and if it's distracting and distorting and disrupting and overloading, it's changing things within the brain. It's overwhelming your capacities as a human being. You can't 
possibly adjust based on the way the brain works and, and the body works. It's like you don't have these unlimited abilities to adjust. So all four of those factors are affecting the brain itself, the brain as it tries to rewire and put information together. The brain is neuroplastic, is constantly rewiring. And so all four of those factors are altering the wiring of the brain and the capacities that accompany that wiring. So if we could sort of take those then one at a time now. So when our kids are distracted and they're losing their focus, it's not just sort of a momentary thing. Their ability to focus is being lost. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if information comes in to the brain which and through the senses, and those senses are altered because of the brain rewiring itself, the memory is altered because of the brain rewiring. So all those forms of distraction as they come in to the way you process information are getting rewired. So we know, you know, parents know, everybody knows that attention span is, is significantly reduced in the culture, even on the level of advertising. As I used to be able to do a 30 second ad, then it went down to 15 seconds. And now it's the, you know, the attention span is of individuals considered to be about, you know, six to eight seconds before they can't pay attention anymore. That is rewiring. That's what happens. So advertisers adjust to that and they make their advertising different, more emotional, more powerful and shorter to get attention based on the changing attention span, which is based on distraction. And distraction is doing something that we mentioned in that, and that is it's stealing our kids' time, isn't it? You only have so much time. Time is irreplaceable. It's not like there's some unlimited thing where you can spend your time in some distracting way, you know, looking at at Facebook over and over and over, all of the stuff that's coming in on Facebook, and somehow that time is still there. That time is gone. So if you're doing that instead of something that's going to help you, like, you know, something out in the outdoors or something in terms of uh, reading or playing game or something like that, that's significant, isn't it? It's not just what we're adding in, which is the noise. It's what we're taking away as well, isn't it? Yeah. And in the first podcast, when we set up this idea of these three categories of awareness and ability and control, what that distraction is doing is taking your brain structure, rewiring it and moving you into places for your awareness that don't help you at all in terms of your potential. There's only so much you can take in. And if you're distracted, you're taking in information that doesn't help your awareness. In fact, it's detrimental to you becoming aware. So on that level alone, the distraction is definitely interrupting levels of awareness that are necessary for full potential. So let's go to the second point then, and that is distorted information. A massive thing in the news lately, of course, we're all aware of it from the, from the standpoint of uh, politics and society and everything else. So that distorted information We've said that it's designed to shape kids' perceptions and control their behaviors. You've had lots of experience with you. You've worked in the media for many years, kids' media. I know that you've told me in the past that rarely is the well-being of the child the thing that's of primary importance here. Yeah, in the world of uh, advertising and marketing, there's a concept, emotional promise. And so an advertiser, a marketer, whenever they create a message, 
they ask the question, what's the emotional promise of this message? What is it promising somebody on the level of emotion? But when you're dealing only with the emotional promise, you're saying, I don't care how I distort the information. You know, many people will say that we're not concerned about distortion as much as getting the emotions involved. And that's called the emotional promise in advertising and marketing. So there's another piece of this that's incredibly important, which is the more distortion you have combined with the overload of information, it's exhausting to try to get the truth out of that distorted information. So that puts you in a position where how do I figure out what isn't distorted? What's that going to take in my energy to go get the truth and separate the truth out from all the distorted information? Because that distorted information can be very, very compelling, and it can sound like it's the truth. So now it's up to you to figure out if it's true or not. That's a big job. That's demanding. And, And given the time crunch in society, we don't have the time to do research on every single piece of information coming in. We have to believe something. So it's damaging on multiple levels. And the scary part of that is we see it all the time is the more that you hear those distorted emotional messages, your own perceptions of what you believe are changed. And that begins to control our behavior, control our behavior in ways that the people that are giving us that information are intending us to to move in that direction. And the thing that bothers me, and I guess most people about that whole thing is that we're losing our control there. We're not under our own control, are we? And that speaks to, of course, one of the other areas that we're going to be talking about. But distorted information does inhibit our ability to actually have control over our future. In addition to that, it gets us to a place where we, we're looking at so many different worldviews, and they're designed to be compelling, that pretty soon your value system is being shaped and you don't know how to really control that value system in the way that's necessary because other value systems are being imposed upon you that are distorted. So now you have to think about what that takes to be clear about your values versus their values and why and what's underneath that. All of that distortion makes it more and more difficult to have a core set of values that you can rely on to move you into your full potential. And of course, the core values of the age of noise are not real happiness, fulfillment, and success. They are this warped version that focuses on attention and social status and how many likes we have and how many follows we have. And our kids' self-identity is being determined by this. It's really a disturbing situation. And and we see rising anxiety and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this dissonance, I guess, between what societies tell them they need to be and what they get out of being that is huge. And it must just be internally very difficult for our kids, Rob. And in addition to that, there is a myth currently that the culture has adapted, which is all values are okay. It's all relative. It doesn't matter. There's no higher values. And so if you're a person that has a set of distorted values, dysfunctional values, values that go against human development, the stages of development, the culture makes a case for it doesn't matter. Those are my values. That's all that's important. And there are no set of values that are important than other values. A lot of that happens within the culture. So 
The distortion supports that idea, you know, that any set of values is as good as any other set of values. Unfortunately, the psychology doesn't work that way. We know what's good. We know what is progressive. We know what helps people move toward a higher kind of developmental stage. And when you're saying a higher developmental stage, you are meaning developmental stage that allows us more to become who we really are, to reach our potential, to be happy and fulfilled and successful in a deeper, more meaningful way, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's a tough job today. So the third thing that we talked about was the disruption of relationships and thinking skills. And we sort of touched on thinking skills there with the way the brain is rewiring and is changing kids' focus and their ability to think critically and their resilience, their motivation. So let's just talk about relationships for a minute. What does noise do in terms of disrupting relationships? Yeah, look at what is entailed in intimacy. Intimacy is what you're shooting for with any human being is to move your relationship into a more intimate form of communication. So just taking the digital devices alone in terms of how people communicate, what does it take to have intimate communication on a digital device today? And can you get away with false personas, you know, of putting yourself on social media, making up your identity that people like or that they'll relate to, and then communicating from that identity that you created, which is not even your true identity, and keeping that whole game going in the social media area based on digital devices. So to become intimate and to pay attention and to be aligned with somebody, you know, and be present, that's a whole different thing than what typically happens on a great deal of social media communications. I was watching one television show that was showing this one a young woman who, who took 700 selfies a day. I was blown away. And she was taking all those selfies so that she could get the perfect, I don't know how many, to post online. They had to be perfect. So I can't even imagine the pressure she's putting on herself, which is unsustainable, to be perfect. And then... Yeah, not only that, you know, there's there's the uh, plastic surgeons are getting a lot more people involved in how they... Uh, need to redo their nose or their ear or their lips because of selfies. Uh, that's extraordinary. You're going to hire a plastic surgeon so you look good and you can change your identity to an artificial one in order to communicate and get those likes. Yeah. Amazing. The effects of that appearance and attention and that down through society, the, the shallowing of our whole Deeper values are a big concern, and I know we've talked about it in the past when we've talked about the declines in empathy, compassion, respect, you know, civility, and you got to wonder whether this shallowness that is being reflected in society has a lot to do with that. Now, the fourth thing was overload, and we've kind of dealt with that, but a lot of this is caused by something that we call the cycle of noise, and it makes all of this worse and worse and worse. Rob, could you explain what the cycle of noise is to us? Well, think of it this way. If there is an increase in technology, media, and consumerism, which there is, we all know that there are entrepreneurs, there's very creative people out there, they're innovators, that's all good, and they're going to be creating new technologies, they're going to be developing new forms of media, 
and the creators are also highly involved in consumer products. So that just is incremental. That keeps getting more and more and more, and new forms of that constantly develop. So you have to ask yourself, what happens then to information if tech, media, and consumers is exponential, keeps increasing? Does information increase with it? Yes, information does increase. That's the way these things work, is that you increase the amount of information, and in addition, you're in competition with other people, so you're going to increase your information in a way that competes with other people's information. So you get an increase in information. You get an increase in tech, media, and consumerism, you get an increase in information. What happens to the human mind? Because it is limited in terms of what it can process. So it's going to be left in a state of overload and stress if the information keeps increasing and increasing and increasing. It's not going to be able to deal with the increase of all that. It's going to have to be more selective. It's going to have to be more aware. It's going to have to be filtered. It's going to have to do some new things. And especially with the digital world now, that it's coming at you from new sources of information. So you're getting caught in overload and stress. That's a natural function of that. So what happens then when you get caught in overload and stress? You have two choices. One is you process that information. You process the overload. You process your own stress. You understand how to take care of it. You have the tools and ways to deal with the overload of stress. Or you don't process it and you simply learn how to cope and compensate. So that's part of the cycle that we're seeing happening with overload and with false information and with distortion. It's coming at such a high level that there's just compensation for that. Most people are not going to sit down and process this out and understand it because they don't have the time. So what happens then when you're compensating and you're overloading and you're in a state of overload? You have to give something up. There are trade-offs. And what happens, unfortunately, is because you can't do that, your values become affected, whether you like it or not. You start taking a position like, you know, I don't care. I think I'm just going to have a drink. I'm going to go home, go to bed early. You know, there's an increase in all the coping strategies, not the processing strategies that are necessary. There's a high increase in coping based on what we see happening in society that changes, you know, in depression and overload. So more coping and values become affected when you're coping. You change your value system because you have to. So what does that do? The final step of the cycle of noise, it opens up the possibility for more noise. Because you're coping and you're not processing the noise and you're not selecting because you're in overload and you can't. No human can possibly stay up with it because our capacities are not that great to stay up. So we cope. And then when we cope, we give in. We change our values. We're, we're more, we call it flexible with regard to our values. But over time, we notice a shift has occurred in the culture in the values. For example, I just mentioned that everything is relative. There is no one thing better than another. The good part of that is I'm just as valuable as you are. Yes, you are. And therefore, my values are just as good as your values. Maybe. But if they're not in line with potential, with development, with the future of growth, they're not as good because they don't include what we know in the field of science about what it takes 
to become more choiceful and to move yourself into the future to develop your full potential. That's a short version of the cycle of doings. <laughs> but we can get into that more and more. Basically, it's noise is going to create more noise. That cycle of noise, it becomes then more and more powerful, doesn't it, as it goes around and around and and we become more normalized to it. We accept it more and more and things that we wouldn't that we wouldn't have accepted in our life at one point now becomes something that I think you're saying that is just normal for us. And that has to have an impact, obviously, in our lives, in the satisfaction for the kind of life we live and the fulfillment that we're getting. But it also has to have just an incredible impact on society. And we're seeing that these days, aren't we? Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that we have to understand is a lot of people will blame it only on the, the current administration or something going on at the higher levels of the society, the decision makers at the top and where the money is and what's being directed toward us from where the, the money machine wants it to go. And then they, they make the assumption that, okay, so that's what's happening now. So, you know, things are going to change in the future and we're going to go back to normal. That's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. Here's the reason it's not going to happen. It happened in the first place where the cycle of noise really started to take hold around 2006, 2007. And when people became addicted to their iPhones, and that was sort of a turning point with regard to how society or how different uh, organizations or businesses wanted you to become addicted. Once you became addicted, there's no going back on that with no iPhones. So you could just ask yourself, can I get rid of my phone? Can I get rid of my tech? No. And if you can't, what does that mean? That means that it will never go back to the place where you had space in your brain to the point where you could become more silent. You could relax unless you create that yourself. But certainly the culture is going to move forward with its digital technology. And you're going to have to figure out as a human being how to deal with the incremental changes that are occurring every day and are going to continue to occur. So there's no going back to the way it used to be, period. Don't operate under that illusion, and especially for your children. Do not think we're going to have the golden age coming up where noise disappears. That absolutely is not going to happen. That being said, though, clearly we are in agreement with the idea of trying to use our technology in a choiceful way and limited in whatever ways are beneficial to us, aren't we? I mean, that's something that we're totally supportive of. Sure. And, um, uh, but yes, I mean, realistically, we're not going to go backwards. And I don't know if, you know, anybody really wants to necessarily go back because technology brings us a lot of, of very good things. And that's why choicefulness is so important. That whole idea of being able to decide what we need out of all of this information, what choice we can make to enhance our lives and give us our best life, despite all the noise, above all the noise, as we talk about, that's what choicefulness is all about. And that's why it's so important. And relative to this idea of technology again, Wayne, we need those tools. They're tools. Tech is tools. And we need those tools, but we have to use them a different way. So there's there's no way we can remove those tools from our life. There are a lot of great possibilities through tech that can help us become more choiceful. 
So Rob, in terms of choicefulness, we want to do something for the listeners that we call the choiceful challenge, which is just, uh, well, why don't you explain the choiceful challenge? Well, I think if we take a baby step every time we listen to a podcast and we simply, uh, we challenge ourselves to increase our awareness, increase our ability, or increase our control by just one small step at a time. And we call that the choiceful challenge. You don't have to do that. But at the same time, this is too big a problem not to begin looking at it in baby steps. It's just too giant. So we're recommending that the Choiceful Challenge is something that you just pay attention to one simple idea for the week between this podcast and the next podcast. For example, this Choiceful Challenge for this particular podcast would be simply notice how outside noise has affected inside noise. How is the outside noise increasing? And do you notice any effect it's having on you? Because outside noise creates inside noise. That means you're more stressed or you're, you have more anxiety. But just pay attention to the combination of those two things, outside noise, inside noise, because we want to talk about the distinction between what's going on outside you and what's going on inside. And we're going to move toward that topic shortly. And this week, you could simply say, do I feel more relaxed or more stressed? Do I have more time, less time? What emotions are occurring more often than they used to occur? How is my attention span these days? Lots of things that have to do with subtleties that are occurring over time that can be redirected and reshaped if you notice and become aware that they do exist. Well, thank you, Rob. And I think that's going to be eye-opening for many of us. Now, looking towards our next podcast, podcast number three, we're excited to have the chance to talk with award-winning author and science journalist, Catherine Price, whose work has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, O Magazine, and numerous other publications. We'll be discussing Catherine's excellent new book, How to Break Up with Your Phone which offers some really great information and tools to help your family use technology more wisely. So until then, thank you for listening and live above the noise. Hello, everyone. If you'd like to get our email update about new episodes, tips and tools, and all the latest information, please sign up for our Noise Watch update on our liveabovethenoise.com website.